0: Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught! Touchdown! Keenan Allen, what a grab! That's what I'm talking about! Hey, that's what I'm talking about! That's the warrior spirit right there, boy! Huge sack by Joey Bosa! 90-yard touchdown! 90-yard touchdown! It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James! Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Gideon! Caught! Touchdown,
1: Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. I'm not kidding. Let's fucking go, baby! thadda Under Chargers Football Podcast. Andy here, your host, joined by the one and only Jack. How are you, my brother?
2: Good, mate. I'm very good. Just here in Melbourne uh, for Christmas. So looking forward to seeing your face next week while we watch some Monday Night Football. Cannot waste.
1: Heck yeah, man. It's good to have you back home, spending time with the fam. Uh, notably, we are down one times bald man, uh, as we will be for the next five weeks. You won't hear another peep of that until he's back, and the Chargers are up to their waists in a deep playoff run. Our wonderful listeners and viewers, thank you. Welcome. If you are new to the show, two, sometimes three mates, having a drink and talking all things about our beloved LA Chargers, all the way here from Melbourne, Australia, sometimes Adelaide as well. Uh, something a bit different. Give us a like and subscribe if you haven't already. We appreciate it. Okay, okay, Thanks, okay, football time, football time. Yeesh, that's a result right there. Titans and Chargers recap, Chargers and Colts preview. Let's get it. Let's Los Angeles do it. Chargers 17 at Tennessee Titans 14. Another crucial conference matchup faced the Royal Blue Chargers at home. Could this crippled run defense stop King Henry? Could Staley's defense back up last week's performance and halted, halter what was left of the Titans offense? defense with SJD and Callahan back looking the business offense clicking along Jeffrey Simmons did his best to put Herbert in an early grave but the young stud QB rose two quick completions to Keenan Allen a big 14 yard gain on third and 16 and another on fourth and two the bolts then rode Joshua Kelly right through the red zone for the first score of the afternoon Titans returned serve early in the second quarter Derek Hen- Henry unleashing the beast, gaining all 63 yards on the drive and the ensuing touchdown out of the Wildcat. Just as the relentless Tennessee running game looked to break the game open, the defense held strong against an immobilized Tannehill. The offense just couldn't get the points on the board. A freak interception by Roger McCreary foiling plans for a late field goal before the half. The third quarter worries continued. When you see Eckler copper Falcon on a wheel route, it smells trouble. Another sack and J.K. Scott was at it again. The struggle was real. Another couple more punts and a brain fade by Herbert. One too many small windows and this one made it two picks for the day. But the way things continued to play out, the football gods were favouring the home side. You could feel it. For every Herbert sack on third down, the defence gobbled up Ryan Tannehill, pushing fat Randy just out of range from 51 yards. Austin Eckler indicated any early game niggles or cause for concern were a thing of the past, breaking bulk tackles on back to back red zone rushes eventually landing himself in the end zone. 14-7 and the momentum was back with the bolts. Stopping Henry could be continued to be a real concern, but a Drew Tranquil sack on third and nine provided the Chargers with another offensive opportunity to put the game to rest. Three plays in 14 seconds was probably not the possession any Chargers fan envisioned. The response, 14-14, 48 left on the clock. See, this is when you love that your quarterback is Justin Herbert, full sicko mode. Rolls right, extends the play, fends off the rusher, sets and launches a flat-bomb to Mike Williams on the sideline at the 22. Kick of the dicker finishes it off! Succeed, baby! Charges <laughs> are 8-6 on the year. Very grateful. The Lions got it done against the Jets, and the Patriots totally shit the bed against the Raiders. First and last <laughs> time we'll ever cheer for the Raiders, but that was an all-timer. As for the Titans... It seemed there was a player down on most possessions in this game, possibly adding to their ever-growing injury list. With the Jags' walk-off pick six against Dallas, there is only one game separating the two for the lead in the AFC South. Mate, it's good to have this one in the books with all it the is. implications at this point in the season. How did you see the game?
2: Uh, I, this is a game where I probably walk away with more questions than I have answers. It's just It was just one of those games, right? I think... It's probably the flattest game I can remember watching. I think I was sitting there just sort of being like, oh, okay. It was a bit of a defensive, you know, slobber knocker. I think I alluded alluded to that on last week's show. But you're right. Herbo going full turbo, full sicko mode. Uh, That pass that he put to Keenan Allen down the sideline as well in the game when he just lobbed it into double, triple coverage. Incredible. Um, I think let's start on the positives before we move into some of the more questions, I guess the answers that I've got. But I thought the line, the offensive line held up quite well. Um, You know, that's the seventh. The Titans have the seventh ranked defense per PFF in the league. So they're no slouches, even though, as you said, that they're completely ravaged by injury. You know, at the end of the day, Herbert was only sacked twice, um, and he had one hit and three hurries. So, you know, six total pressures out of 45 drop backs, um, which is, which is pretty exceptional, I thought, given the talent. Um, you alluded to Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Okareki, and some of the, uh, sorry, not Okareki, that's the Colts. Um, but some of their pass rushes, I thought were, um, I thought, which was fantastic.
1: Yeah. Well, on top of that, um, uh, Saying The Titans were the third best team against the run, or have been this year, and we really committed to it. Um, Early, probably faded away a little bit with our commitment to the run game as the game mm. wore on, probably needed it a little bit more there. But on the whole, um, not too bad execution. You're always going to be, you know, I think we had 24 carries, 72 yards, uh, and then you look at, you know, at what, three a clip, and then you look over at Derrick Henry, and he's amassed over 100, and... Yeah, really made a mockery of us. Um, I agree. Yeah, but- I mean,
2: you, you, you said you said Austin Eckler before, but I mean, you look at his stat line and you go, "Well, he's fifty-eight yards from twelve carries," and that's not particularly. You go, "All right, that's not too bad." But then you look at it; it's like he had forty-one yards after contact. Which is which is insane out of that out of that forty uh, out of that fifty eight, and he also amassed seven or four seven missed tackles. So when he was running, he's, he's running angry, and even though we didn't look dominant on the on the ground, that performance by Eckler was key in getting at least something there. And yes, it's no King Henry and the Wildcat snap where we go, oh my God, what's happening? And, you know, goes in for a touchdown. Um, And kudos to Eckler as well, because he took a big hit on that shoulder. I think I'm a bit worried about that, whether he plays this week, but he came back and the team actually really needed him because Joshua Kelly wasn't getting too much production on the ground, but yeah, you're
1: right. Um, Well, maybe not consistently throughout the game, but I have to disagree with you because I thought he was really good in that opening drive. Um, yeah, there's, there wasn't something quite right with Eckler, uh, and he shouldered the load. And yeah, they really rode him in to the end zone. That was a good play, a uh, good s- set of runs by Kelly. Um, well, that, that was but, one yeah, of my yeah, that just, was one of
2: my questions to you. I was going to be like, what did you think of Joshua Kelly's game? You know, given that given that Eckler went down early, and we didn't really see too much of him. You know, and we did we force Eckler back in. I don't know, but you said you know you thought he had a pretty good game.
1: Um, yeah, I did. From what I saw early on, when we needed him, um, like I said, I felt like we we erred away from the running game a little bit. Um, we we stymied a lot of offensive pressure uh, possessions. There was a lot of punts going on there um, in that sort of second and third quarter. Um, but I, I thought the use of Kelly early was was good, and he was he scored a touchdown, so I thought mm. he did well. Um, when he, we, he stepped up when, when we needed him and Austin Eckling obviously was all right, came back into the game. Um, yeah, like I said, busted those tackles to get, I think, 12 on that first effort and then one or two yards that he needed to get into the zone. And that was a, a second, third effort kind of kind of run as well. So it's just awesome to have a pound-for-pound a pound operator like uh, Austin Eckling in the team really good. Um, it's
2: inter- it's interesting that we seem to be going with Eckler and uh, Kelly, but we're not really, I mean, Sonny Michel's, uh, I saw had the injury cloud over him. Um, but Spiller, as far as I'm concerned, is not under an injury cloud. He's just not getting carries. So we seem to be fairly happy with the Kelly um, and, the, and the Eckler sort of backfield. And that might, you know, give some kind of insight into how Lombardi's thinking about the game. He'd rather have sort of, you know Kelly can definitely catch the ball better than Spiller, so you know having that dual threat running back at the moment is probably what we kind of need given the injuries on the offensive line and us not really being able to to run the rock consistently well at least, which is fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, we could we could jump right into it because the way you have fed that with Lombardi just makes me think that <laughs> he's trying to operate under a keep it simple, um, principle and he's it just feeds right into his conservatism. So uh, yeah, maybe we'll double back to this afterwards because we can we can really sink our teeth into that, and we'll start off with a few more maybe positives. Positives, um, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I, I definitely think Alohi Gilman was our he was our highest um, rated run defender behind Fahoko and Carl K- Van Nooy. So. I don't know what Alohi Gilman has eaten in the past couple of weeks or what Brandon Staley has said to him, but the guy's playing lights out. The guy's playing like, you know, he's, he's empowered to play the position and, and Nas also had a great game. So, you know, Alohi Gilman was not a particularly big player either. Um, and to, to say that he stuffed, um, a couple of runs and was key in stopping Henry, um, getting downfield for, for bulk yardage, I, I thought was fantastic. Um, and generally speaking, the defense just, had a complete lights out game. I think, um, you know, Michael Davis had another incredible game. You know, he only allowed one yeah, catch really for four good. yards on three targets. You know, forced an incompletion and a, and had a pass rating when thrown at him of forty two point two, which is insane, right? Um, and yeah. I guess like, so what are we going to do with Michael Davis? Do we give him another contract, Danny? I don't know. What do we do?
1: Yeah, did we talk about it a little bit last week? Because I we reckon did. there's a way of I think there's a I, – look, I think he's been our callahan Callaghan's been great. callahan has mm-hmm. been great and arguably our best signing, best pickup um, from the free agency hall. Uh, but very close behind him is Michael Davis. And you're saying that with Michael Davis only playing half the the sort of snaps or half the reps that Callahan has. So I, I I'm – I saw a lot more of Jaseer Taylor than I did kind Mm. of Asante in certain packages as well. Um, Tannehill was operating a lot with the tight ends as his receivers because he has no wide receivers uh, available. (laughs) Um, So having the bigger body of Jaseer Taylor kind of trumps Asante Samuel. Um, Michael Davis is playing better than Asante Samuel. um, He's our best quarterback this year. Yeah, very close to uh, traditional quarterback, yeah. Um, I think you've got to extend him. I think you've got to extend him and work out a way to have his cap hit and not be nine million next year, like it like it will be. That's, I uh, I do,
2: I do wonder. I do wonder what he's going to do because if it's last year, will he play? Will he hold? He wouldn't hold out. He doesn't strike me as a, a person that would do that. Um, I mean, not to jump into the news too much, but you know, our supposedly number one gun quarterback has found himself in a bit of legal trouble uh, earlier today. So. Uh, I have a feeling that Michael Davis, give him give him some money, get him on the field and play because who knows what happens with J C Jackson next year. But let's not get too down on to that. And just just to hark back on the defense, man, like this is PFFs. They're they're ranked number ten. You know they're in their rushing and we stopped them. I mean yes, Henry had 104, 105 yards, whatever it was. um, But we didn't let any really big runs go. Uh, I thought we played
1: 13 was the longest run that's that's a great result
2: and and that is bending don't break I thought the linebackers had another great game credit where credit's due Um, you know k9 is sort of putting together some pretty good performances the last two weeks you know definitely not as strong as he was last week but I tell you what that the middle of the field is not looking so soft anymore which is which is fantastic Um, and and it's a credit to Brandon Staley too because yeah. whatever he's doing, he's throwing the kitchen sink and just going. I'm just got to coach the shit out of the players that I've got because that's that's all that's all I can do. Um
1: yeah. as, as actually, as before you move on from from K9, I, I did have a question for you directly about Kenneth Murray. Mm. Where do you see his progress to the current point in the season? Like we've we've we have hung shit on him and then. Admitted, like opened up, like yeah, look, hey, we've said all this stuff, but he wasn't playing great, and now he's playing a little bit better, and was respecting that. Well like, he's probably stringing. This is the, probably the most consistent purple patch of his career that he's had. Yeah, um, where do, where do you see his strengths and weaknesses? Like, what do you what do you think he's pr- progressing in or, or getting worse at?
2: Oh, well given that he had the highest coverage grade of the defense on the weekend per PFF I've got to say that he's got to be doing something right so maybe he's playing without Derwin there is he playing more free and is he not concerned about you know we talked about it last week how when you've got a Swiss army knife in Derwin James that um you know and that Derwin will perhaps make audibles or you know change where he's going to be positioned on the field given what he sees from the opposition offense and that that ripple that has a ripple effect to all the players around him. So, you know, K9 might have to change what he's doing or what he originally had to do with the play call because Derwin is doing something else. So I mean he doesn't seem to be getting caught up on blockers at the second level anymore. He doesn't seem to be uh attacking with the f- i mean you need to be ferocious when you attack the line of scrimmage, right? You need to be there, especially stop the run. But it, he seems to be slightly He's thinking about it a little more and he's not just going headfirst and, and getting sort of caught up in the in in the I guess in the complete sort of jungle that can be the offensive and defensive lines when they clash. So yeah, I mean it's just solid. He's just playing good football. And and, and Drew Tranquil is also playing good football. So I I don't think I can personally I haven't looked at it close enough to perhaps pinpoint it. Uh, But all I can say that he's not the liability that he was, you know, six, seven weeks ago, which is fantastic. I'm going to fire a question back at you then, Andy. And I say this with a grin, viewers and listeners. I'm not – I don't think this is a 100% serious question. Um, But does the defense actually need Derwin James back?
1: Uh. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's a good one, isn't it? Do they need Joey Bosa back? Like, who gives you shit? Uh, uh, f- fuck a man, we're paying the money. JC Jackson, get out of here. We don't, no, we don't need to do it. I think that's ridiculous. I think it's awesome. I, it's that. It's it's that. Oh, but what if you know? If they're back, would they play the same? Would there be more focus by our our like second and third tier players for the responsibility to fall on? Those guys and will they fall back on their laurels? Kind of uh, when they return, it's hard to say. I'd like to think that this group has. I've seen this group. I've seen it from Justin Herbert in the way that he is on the field and after the game, uh, to this defense on the field and everyone in the locker room and how it's. There's just been a shift in the the energy amongst everyone, and it is just like it's almost. At that like full gel point, and mm. it's it's really for me exciting to sort of see that. <clears throat> so I think that they've turned the corner mentally. Most of them, I still think there's a little bit too much of this sort of dancing business when the receiver drops the ball and Asante did nothing to break <laughs> up the pass. <laughs> that's one of your uh, biggest bugbears,
2: isn't it? I know that's your biggest. I, I think bear.
1: I share that. I, sh- I think I share that with Al. Um, <laughs> it's it's just like mate, you ain't done, you ain't done nothing. Um, celebrate, go nuts responsibly when you when you do it, but um, yeah, I'm just seeing a lot more uh, cohesion and um, direction in the endeavor.
2: Well, cohesion's Spider. the word, right? That's and, and that's what it we're looking for. We were looking at, you know, you know how I said, I put, I put it to you, you know, 16, 17 weeks ago now, we're talking about the cohesion, the consistency of this group. And, and I just, it's sort of, I hadn't seen it even in the first four or five, six weeks, there was some really good football from the defense versus some really poor football from the offense and vice versa and that sine wave of performance you know during a game was really quite large so you had mm. one or two players playing exceptionally well the rest of them weren't playing well or you had a special teams playing really well but the offense and the defense were mediocre i feel that that sine wave between our our worst performances and our best performances is slowly um getting smaller so we're playing more of that or more of that consistent cohesive football and you know what sometimes the best thing for a leader you know and this is how I hope Derwin James is looking at it but for a leader is to actually take a step off the field be involved I saw he had the um he had the radio on so he's hearing everything that was going off into the defense and possibly the offense as well but sometimes for you know when you're in a a player of his caliber to take a step back and look at our defensive line who have got third fourth fifth six stringers and to look at The cornerback room that's been sort of pretty much decimated having jc jackson disappear and and seeing these guys younger than you um who have i guess you've kind of tutored with naz and gilman um and and cover the linebackers with with uh canine and tranquil and you're sort of sitting back and these guys are performing really well that can be sometimes a really humbling experience and it means that perhaps maybe when do and joey come back they're not trying to do absolutely everything all the time because they've got the trust They've seen the performance from their teammates around them. Because, um, you know, when you're on the field, it's a very different kettle of fish. You know, you're focused on yourself. You're focused on making sure you perform. But when you've got that step back, you do build a little bit of that. I'm going to call it positional and player empathy. Um, and you can see those players. And I truly believe that this is what's happening. And I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Staley is is talking about that with his, with his leadership group. SJD sitting out last week might have been a really um, – you know, sort of humbling experience. On that, though, what was going on on the sideline? That was a a weird thing. That was a really weird thing. It was a
1: delightful little segue. It was, yeah. (laughs) I don't mind it, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Uh, I'm not too sure who exactly uh, SJD was having words with because he looked like he was mouthing off at Kenny Murray, a little bit of Drew Tranquil um and he was probably just you know giving Kenny Murray a bit of a, a rev up um i couldn't work out what he he said i didn't look at it enough to sort of read him uh but then he was having words with Fehoko and Fayoko was like yeah i get it man like the chilled out dude's just like relax yeah. all right yeah. and then i think maybe Morgan Fox came in and was like you all need to chill uh but i don't know maybe he's getting fired up uh, they it, i like it if that's if if that's the standard that they're setting that is like I agree, it's three and out every time yeah um, and they're so capable of doing it oh, so awesome to see that on the opening drive Gilman as you mentioned earlier on uh, Okoronkwo, uh he had a little feast later but um, he yeah, was the defense is it's really awesome to see that Staley's defense even without these stars is um it's being as good as it is. Yeah, and and, uh, look, they're, they're look, look. Let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. They were missing a lot of players uh, on both sides of the ball. Incredibly decimated team by injuries, and thankfully for us, at least in the weapons department, we've got everyone available. Um, little palm sprinkled in there today. Um, Josh Palmer landed on his back. Looked looked a bit a bit heavy. Yeah.
2: He yeah, was five for Keenan. five, didn't did didn't drop a ball, though. He's becoming a very, very, very handy third third receiver. Very, very handy. Yeah.
1: He goes, for me, he goes so unnoticed uh, when Mike and Keenan are on the field. Like, yeah. Just little pickups, and you're like, oh, yeah. But you're like, whoa. Uh, Gerald Everett stands out for me because I just reckon he is always hungry as. When he hangs onto the ball yeah. and he doesn't drop it, yeah. he's always fighting off, trying to fight off tackles. He gets tackled, and he's like, get off me. and. Keeps fighting for extra yards. It's all awesome to see. Maybe we're seeing um, hopefully a little potential offensive mutiny from the captain, the captain, um, the captain <laughs> well, coordinator.
2: Well, should, like we, should, should we talk about it? We probably should talk about it now. We probably should. So, I mean, the little segue, and Andy, I'll, I'll say this to you. Uh, the last pass to Williams, um, it had a 22.6 uh, completion probability, very, very low. Uh, the speed of is that, the throw, is
1: that from is that from snap to that, yeah conversion? that's
2: from from snap to throw yeah to catch so very so okay. I mean not the lowest you know because it would seen, it would
1: wave right it would wave. correct sorry to interrupt you. it was, so twenty two point six was the low point yeah okay. the low point and I guess yeah, that's you know on.
2: we've seen we've seen some throws this year from Mahomes and other top tier quarterbacks that are below five percent um, but you know he threw it at uh, just shy of fifteen miles an hour. Uh, that was the that was the, that was the fastest that it could so that's about thirty kilometers that's half decent um, the target separation from Mike Williams was 0. 0.8 yards and then the sideline separation was 0. 0.7 yards so I'm going there and going so awesome, we won the game incredible throw it was a rope great. But surely, surely we need to try and scheme Mike Williams, Keenan Allen open more often so we don't have to rely on these ridiculous odds for us to win games. Um, And and that's where I fall. The, The play calling from Lombardi, we get Pipkins back, which means that Herbert has a little bit more time, and yet we just saw the same basic stick concept, the same basic Throw it to Keenan or or trust Keenan to get open with his technique. Throw it to Mike so he can monster his op- his opp his opposing cornerback and you know make an incredible catch. We still see the same kind of runs, the same little outlets. It's just starting to really piss me off, and I'm going to say it officially: I'm out on Joe. I'm it. It's done. It's done. I don't think the offense can does it. Doesn't suit Herbert. Um, it's a personnel thing. And yes, unfortunately we just don't have, let's, I need to see some more. Where do you sit on it?
1: Um, probably been closeted for a little while, but been off him for a good while. Mm. Um, I think this week was, uh, to win in that fashion with 48 seconds, like sure, it makes you feel good. And like the endorphin rush afterwards is fantastic, but like, why the heck do we keep having to win these games by, like, a score. Is there any danger of it just... Can we just, def- like, smash a team? Yeah. This team had that many injuries. Ryan Tannehill was hobbling about um, and looked trash. If it wasn't for Derek Henry, who, you know, you could tell he was starting to wear out by the... Oh, he kind of bashed in, but he wasn't on the field for most of the last drive. It was all the tight ends work, um, and he was just at the goal line. But... Yeah, the, for us just consistently not be able to put up 25-plus points a week with this offense, with everyone back, and our rookies are playing at an awesome level on the offensive line. Oh, ridiculous um, level. Crazy level. Sometimes the personnel, um, the personnel choices are good. I actually, going back to your question earlier, I don't mind the fact that it's just Josh Kelly and Austin Eckler. Just keep it simple and get these guys doing the job. Um, because we do we do waver with the commitment to the uh, the run game throughout. What I will say though is that it seems like our scripted plays are becoming a little bit better than what it has been on offense. Um, and then once we have to sort of adjust to the game, that's when we sort of struggle, like running up the middle when all the pressure is coming from Jeffrey Simmons up the middle. Um, what are you doing? It's just sort of, it's it's stuff like that that's sort of mind boggling. Like that drive that we had, um, three minutes nineteen left on the clock. Uh, Carter returned the kick, bugger all. So we're in our fifteen or whatever, and we go three and out. And it was a run up the middle for no gain. Uh, pocket got blown up, so Herbert had to throw it into the ground at the receiver's feet. And then the last one was another incompletion. And, oh, no, completion, but like well short of the line to gain uh, to Josh Palmer maybe. And it's just like, wow oh, just try it. Like if you just, why not just run it? Why not just run it outside and just try and take a little bit more, make them use their timeouts so they don't have the opportunity to keep stopping the clock after the two minutes and we have to rush their offense. Um, I guess that in a way could fail for us, but it just 14, 14 seconds off the clock on that drive is just, awful when that's the drive where you go okay okay enough's enough let's go down just keep moving the chains we've got Justin Herbert field goal and win the game we've got exactly we've got Justin Herbert
2: we've got Mike Williams we've got Austin Eckler we've got Keenan Allen we've got you know Solia playing at an incredibly high level we've got Johnson we've got Lindsay in the game you got your right tackle back what are we doing uh I've got I've I've got two things and the first thing where I'll start is you look at a case study between The two most senior coaches, and they would be Staley being one and Lombardi being the other. We've seen a a development in Staley's play calling, and the game plan that he had prepared for the Dolphins last week needed to be vastly different from the game plan that we were preparing for this week. The defence, minus all those stars, played lights out. Staley had a tight game. And this is where we see the coach and the teacher shining through and those defensive players trusting in Staley, trusting in the scheme. Yeah, it's taken that Bosa to be out and Derwin James to be out, but I do feel like there's a sense of trust. On the flip side of this case study, we have Joe Lombardi, who refuses I feel to change, refuses to do anything different, refuses to do anything outside of what he knows. Granted it's a little different because you've got quarterback which is the toughest position in all the sports you don't want to put too much pressure on him but I just don't there's just not enough there and as I said it might be an awesome system might be a fantastic system great but it's not the system that Justin Herbert needs and it's not the system that these wide receivers are built to run with. A system should support Justin Herbert. It shouldn't be the other way around. I feel at the moment that Justin Herbert is supporting Joe Lombardi's system. It's not the system and then, you know, Justin Herbert's skill set and ability should be the cherry on top. That's the matching. It shouldn't be the other way around. We shouldn't need to be relying on Justin Herbert to make ridiculous throws to win the game. It's great because any any offensive scheme will need those. Of course, I understand that. But it just feels there's so much pressure on him every single fucking game to play at an all pro level and when he doesn't everyone's like justin Herbert's a social media quarterback he can't do anything so well that's the underlying
1: issue isn't it that's the that's the underlying issue is that he is in in not wanting to put too much pressure on him which i don't understand he's a professional athlete like they he thrives on pressure put I agree. pressure on him he's got stars to make plays for him he has the arm to do it let him do it stop treating him like he's colt mccoy or some sixth round rubbish rookie uh and what you end up doing by making the the whole playbook conservative until it comes to a point where oh shit we've got less than a minute to win the game with no timeouts um that is pressure that is dumping unnecessary pressure on him so there's there's a an odd little paradox in there by there not is... wanting to complicate things he's he's a what a 4.0 biology exactly like, a, I mean, he's a damn nerd. He gets it.
2: <laughs> but you say that's so cor- That's so right, Andy. And that's that's the heart of my argument here. And let's just go back to uh, this. Let's just use this dichotomy again of Staley versus Lombardi. I tweeted out exactly on that three and out 14 seconds. I said, this is the time for Lombardi to be aggressive. I wouldn't have minded seeing throws downfield. I wouldn't have minded seeing Justin Herbert peel out and try to make a ridiculous throw across his body. At least that's being aggressive. He's not learning because we've seen that. Or every single freaking, or not every week, but almost every week, this conservative approach. And then on the flip side, okay, Staley goes, "Fuck, all right, my offensive coordinators put me out, put, put me out here." The Titans move down the field, and then uh, this is this was going to be my teachable moment. We're going to quickly rush over this, but the way Staley used his timeouts at the end of the game, masterclass, because he hasn't yep. done that before. He's made mistakes in that time management game. He gave Justin Herbert. Just shy of 50 seconds to go and win the game. Now that's yep. a coach playing to your quarterback strengths and going, okay, hey, we've got the superstar here. I'm not going to try and do too much on my with my with my defense. They're probably going to score fine, but what I will make sure is that there's time for Justin Herbert to go and operate. And it just so happens that the throws that Justin Herbert makes are outside of Lombardi's scheme anyway. It's ad libbing. So again, this dichotomy of Lombardi versus Staley, one is really progressing, adaptable, leading the other, I feel is just stagnating. It's just stagnant, stagnant, stagnant. And I don't think there's the ability or there's the capability to grow from there. I could be wrong, but um, yeah, I think there's a moratorium on Lombardi now. I think it's time to, as we say in AFL, handball off. Yeah,
1: just in general parlance, we handball things off all the time. All responsibilities. Like Alistair, feel not, like- not being part of the show. <laughs> uh, it is a treat not to have any wedding chat. First time in about eight weeks, we haven't had Very much. Chat very, true. very true. Very um, true. We'll just be stuck into honeymoon chat uh, soon <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I hope they're having a great time. I'm sure they are. Yes. Um, just before we get on to that, just on some of Staley's stuff and he's just, you know, I feel like Lombardi prepares generically to games, whereas Staley goes, hey, you know what? This is, this Titans team is the fourth, the worst, sorry, the league's worst fourth down team. So, um, let's go for it. We go for the first one and it works. I didn't actually like the way they executed the, the uh, midway through the second quarter. Yeah, I know that was one. fourth and one, trying to draw them offside, but they lined up with nine seconds, trying to hard count them. Um, and then have it had to call the timeout yeah uh when they went then they ended up going they sort of reversed their fortune by then having to go back on the field and um oh sorry going back on the offense going back on the field and then Tennessee burning a timeout because of it uh and then we executed it anyway so yeah uh it was a good decision not to throw the the challenge flag on Keenan's incompletion. Was. um he I he said he in his press he got a, a good uh, good read on it and uh, made a comment, especially about Jesse Taylor being the bigger body, the better option to go against the tight ends. And yeah, you know, Jesse Taylor made uh, two awesome open field tackles on big dudes. He got Austin Hooper, but early on he got Derrick Henry, um, and it was he just he, sorry Derrick Henry right near the goal line as well, uh, saved it a touchdown, which I think he scored anyway. Mm. But um,
2: just just last one, Andy, you know, and the, we talk about Staley managing the game really well then that fucking delay of game that put us five yards back for mm. Dick of the kicker. What's going on there? Cause I tell you what, yeah. Staley was not happy, whatever was going on. So if that's I, just
1: I initially thought it was like a deliberate thing and I was like, so did you, I. To, you can't kill the clock this way. Like, yeah. Do you get a, do you get a 10 second runoff for a delay of game at this point? That would take it down to four seconds. That's fine. But I, yeah, I don't know. And he was like, yeah, that wasn't
2: good. That's okay. I think Brandon, you have yeah. to take, your mentor, which it has been Lombardi for a long time, your old mates, I get that, but you have to take him in, put an arm around him and just say, you're not getting it done, mate. I'm sorry. You're not getting it done. Hard conversation to have. One of the hardest he'll have in his career.
1: But well, um, does, L- does does Staley have to have that conversation? Does he fire his assistant or does he get Telesco to do it? What depends. He, I well, what, I mean, I don't know what it, the hierarchy is, but
2: if he, if you had balls, if you're the head coach, you'd, you'd, you'd probably have that conversation with your, your coordinators. If that was me, that's just my personal opinion. But, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. You know I'd find it hard to fire you, let's say. <laughs> if I'm saying, hey, hey, Jack, man, we understand each other pretty well. You've got Justin Herbert as a quarterback, and you've struggled to put up 25 points on a consistent basis. Here a are! And you know what? I reckon we'd probably catch up for dinner afterwards, because you'd go, yeah, 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 I reckon he's right. Fair. Oh, well, we'll anyway. get through it. And that was almost more morose than their actual enjoyment of the victory itself, but lots to work on. It's all serious. We've just got to keep winning, keep moving forward. Uh, we did mention the current honeymooner and he's actually found himself hanging out with a great friend of the show, Kyle, uh, hanging out with Kyle and Carlsbad and the two of them have had a couple of beers and prepared a little thing for us. So, uh, we'll get into, into them. Jack, Andy,
0: TDU listeners, I'm coming to you from the man cave of the great and powerful Kyle D. Dominican Tarnio. What's up, brother? Cheers.
2: It's been so cool catching up with Alistair, meeting him and his lovely wife, wife
0: Kirsten, uh, here in Carlsbad. I'm just, It's been an absolute pleasure meeting you both, so this has been great. We're having an awesome time here. Um, Kyle's treated us, taken us all the way around his city Kirsten and I, is actually filming at the moment, Kirsten's been with us in Hawaii and yeah, we've got a, a couple of little dog. pets here as well <laughs> uh, and thanks to all the Bolts from the Blue uh, listeners who've recommended places we should go in Hawaii in restaurants and poke. We've had an amazing time and we've also um, managed to enjoy the hospitality of Kyle and we're about to meet his wife and last night perched right here we watched Chargers versus Titans On delay, screaming, making noise, drinking some IPAs. You were screaming. I had already watched the game. I was trying not to spoil for you. we got to win. (laughs) Eight and six. And we have two questions for you, Jack and Andy. Andy, I'll ask you a question. Do you think the Chargers benefited from the fact that Tannehill came back into the game after his injury? Would the Titans have been better with Malik? Willis playing that game. Carl, what question do you have for Jack?
2: Jack, I know you like the trenches. So my biggest question would be, what do you feel has a bigger impact on the Chargers playing better defensive football in the trenches the last couple weeks? Has it been personnel with, you know, Fajico stepping up and some of these other guys like Gaziano uh, playing much better? Um, or has it been Staley making adjustments that have put them in better positions?
0: Okay, enjoy the rest of the show. We'll see you next week on the Thunder Down Under. (laughs) Oh,
1: how wonderful. Uh, How good's that? Having a few
2: beers, I think, judging by some of the slurring of the words there, but that's all right, don't we all?
1: Yeah, a bit of (laughs) of Braden cool. Not Mm. bad, not bad. I look very envious of their little trip. Uh, but awesome questions, of course, Al finds the time to invest in this show. Uh, we miss him. Uh, and ha- how about the hands of a surgeon? Uh, this Amazing. lovely wife they're filming. Yeah. Get seasick at all. That's good. What well, don't, Um All right, well, I'll answer first off, and it's a really good point that Al makes about um, Malik Willis coming in and out of the game because Tannehill really only played that first drive beforehand um, he didn't have a whole lot of going on for him. Got injured, three and out. When he entered the game, I just sort of felt like there was an element of poor preparation or potential for poor preparation. Team just looked a little bit stunned on a first couple of his plays, especially the one where he scrambled. They looked totally lost. Um, so the answer is yes. I think it was, it, it was a massive benefit because when Tannehill forced forced his way back onto the field, um, yeah, I think it was a big disadvantage to the Titans' offense. Uh, as I said, Willis only played one series. He had four attempts, three completions, 20 yards. He had 0.3 of a second longer to throw the ball than Tannehill, but he also had the legs to move around, forced the missed tackle on his scramble, had that dual threat. It just tends to lead to adjustments being made to parry the RPO um, as you move forward into the game. And um, not to say that I, I thought we wouldn't be able to to combat that, but I think it was beneficial as it happens the titans ran on derek henry a lot anyway um a lot of short completions to the open tight ends over the middle or henry himself and for mine tannehill looked crap and his mobility was rubbish so big win that malik willis only played a handful of snaps jack what about what do you reckon about the defensive line
2: yeah, so I, I think I alluded to, I mean, a great question, Kyle. Uh, I do love the trenches. I, lo- I love I love thinking about the big men coming together uh, in a non-sexual way, of course. Uh, uh, if, even if it was, Whatever. anyway, all, if you do, all the power to you as well. Uh, it's rainbow kind of show. That's right, I agree. Um, it's a confluence of factors, I think. It's not just one. Um, I alluded to it earlier when I'm talking about Staley. I think Staley's teaching and coaching is absolute pants off. Uh, he's, he's really, he's obviously connecting with his younger players. There is a stereotype of an older player, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And so, as I said before, maybe having Bosa, maybe having Derwin out, SJD out a little bit, you know, these are these top tier players, Austin Johnson, you know, I'm not saying that they don't listen and I'm not, I'm not putting that forward, but I think there is a little bit of a you know, you're younger, you're hungry, you're listening, you want to impress. So, you know, you are actually listening to everything that Brandon is saying with his scheme and you're executing it really well. Adding to that, I think there's a term in Australia we use called hard yakka, and that means hard work. I think when you're younger and you are wanting to, again, prove yourself, I think you work hard. And I'm not saying that the other players do, uh, don't, sorry, I'm not saying, this is not a dichotomy here, um, but I think that's also another added bonus. Um, and also, I think, keep it simple, stupid, KISS. Um, the line ba- the linebacker play, as we talked about before, was improving. And also, don't discount the fresh bodies that we have as well. So, you know, you're, you're sometimes playing against linemen that have played for 14, 15 weeks. Granted, the Titans were uh, coming off the bye, were they? I think. I can't remember if they were.
1: Anyway. But no, they uh, weren't. They no, lost, they weren't. They, have, um, they lost the three last three beforehand.
2: That's right. Um, so yeah, so you had fr- you've got fresher bodies in Fajoco and these guys. So which means that perhaps you're you're fresher, which means you can go for longer. Um, it's hard to pinpoint anything down, but I think there's a sort of a, there's multitude factors to it. But good question.
1: Yeah, nice. A uh, quick little shout out for uh, a little sort of quite cheeky favorite of the show, Big Joey G. Gaziano recorded his first sack. Um, As I will divulge later, it looks like he has played his last game for a little while, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I'm still seeing, you know, with Kenny Murray, talking about the linebacker help, uh, I'm finding that as far as pass rushing goes, Drew Tranquil to be far more effective a rushing linebacker than Kenny Murray. He is still a big knock while he is improving is that he is still magneting himself into blockers and not being able to get off them, which... Yeah, it can be a bit frustrating. Yeah. All right. Thanks, the boys, again, for that video. Good to see you both enjoying yourself. Floydie looks like he's had a few and got a new jacket. Looking sharp, champ. <laughs> uh, all right. From the game injuries. Keeman Hall suffered a hamstring. He'll be week to week. As I said, Joe Gazziano sustained a groin injury. And that's looking at weeks, not days, according to Coach Staley. There's no real update on Joey Bosa. Bit of a broken record here. Uh, may or may not be at practice later this week, probably next, so we're probably looking to get a warm-up game into him, potentially against the Broncos in Week 18, and then fresh for ideally a playoff run. Derwin James expected to be back at practice later this week. We've got the extra day playing Monday night, but he's still day-to-day progressing or doing that kind of jazz. Um, look, pretty, pretty good chat all round. Yeah. Um, Positive stuff about the defense coming together and keep working. Um, still, sort of shirking a little bit of stuff about the offense just not quite finding its groove, even though we've got everyone back in the lineup. Really. All right, Jack. Let's run us through what happened in the Colts last outing. I heard it was.
2: Wow, we. It was one of three games on the Saturday. Uh, what a what a what a hell of a slate of games, man. Um, Well, we we saw the Vikings complete the biggest ever comeback in NFL history. You know, erasing that 33-point deficit by beating the Matt Ryan-led Colts 39-36. Greg Joseph hitting the 40-yard field goal with three seconds left in overtime uh, Saturday to win the NFC North division in their typical dramatic fashion. Not the Minneapolis miracle, but geez, I tell you what, it was fucking pretty close. Uh, Matt Wine yeah. must be walking around thinking that he's cursed because he comes the first quarterback to not only lose the biggest, uh, sorry, lose the biggest lead in a Super Bowl, but also in regular season. So uh, poor old Jeffrey Saturday was sitting there and he was seeing his Saturday uh, both literally and figuratively turn into the Monday morning scaries. So, uh, and, and also, funnily enough, he's, he's the only coach with the name Saturday to ever coach on a Saturday. There you go. There's yeah, a little, tid, there's a little tid, yeah. tidbit there. So, um, I yeah. mean, geez, Kirk Cousins just had his way with the, um, with the Colts in the second half. He passed for just shot, I think, just over around 460 yards, four touchdowns, um, who were actually trailing 36 to 7 late in the third quarter and still won it. I mean, it's quite yeah. unbelievable. Uh yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is, I mean, the big bit of news there is obviously he's done his ankle and doesn't look like he's going to come back for the rest of the year. So um, that's poignant for our matchup with them. But yeah, hell of a game. I watched all of it. Very, very, um, very fun watch. Uh, and I did feel a little sorry for Jeff Saturday, who sort of stepped into that role. But anyway, fuck yeah, we're playing you now. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we get the win against them.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't believe they... I just... I couldn't comprehend them coughing that up. That was just like... It was just like building something and watching it all burn in front of you. um, Because it was just such a, a two-sided coin affair. Like, they were... Sc- blocked punt, return for a touchdown, yeah. interception. They were just forcing all kinds of pressure and incompletion. Stefan Gilmore was just being all shady on... Justin Jefferson, and then bang! Didn't he turn the tape and just tear him a new one? Unbelievable! Uh, that was an awesome, awesome matchup. Um, and there's look, there's, there's still some pieces on this indie team, even though what's there? They, I think they've been outscored in the last two fourth quarters by something like 56 fifty six points or something. Fifty six points, something. Yeah. yeah, and it was yeah. mid fifties. That like that's that's nuts. Um,
2: <laughs> it's
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's a it's a. A tough one to swallow if you're a Colts fan, but... Unbelievable. Look, you just don't know what you're going to get with Matt Ryan, do you? And they've got some some receivers. Pittman can do some stuff. Alec Pierce, I like, the former, former Bearcat. Um, but, yeah, losing Jonathan Taylor is a, a big, big out for them, a big problem. Um, they didn't finish the game out with... Uh, Zach Moss, and I forget who the third back is off the top of my head. It'll come to me. but um, Yeah, Jonathan Taylor's one of the best runners in the league. So yeah, Dion Jackson was his name. Dion Jackson's the one. Yeah. yeah. He had a fumble as well. So, yeah, Matt Ryan's throwing a few picks. He's throwing some fumbles. I think, what's he? Throwing something like, he's like 13 and 12 yeah. uh, touchdowns to interceptions. So Yeah. Um, Look, there's there's a lot of promise. We've just, I reckon, we've just got to it's got to work our way into getting at this quarterback. Is there any particular like strength of theirs that you see as a, a massive concern for the Chargers? Oh yeah, where they can they can win this game.
2: One hundred percent. I think the I think the the Colts defense is still uh, is still very strong. Uh, you know, we have to have a game plan for DeForest Buckner. He had what one sack, two hits, and five hurries against kirk cousins uh, he played out of yeah. his mind um you know bobby okareki is playing really well um oda uh, dao i think that's the the name you've got Quiddy pay done there. well you've yeah. done very well <laughs> you've got Quiddy pay who's, who's who's a decent rookie gilmore as you alluded to is the 10th a 10th ranked cornerback uh per pff in the league and you've also got rogers out there who's ranked number six So yeah, they're they're no slouches. They're they're really good, and you've got Rodney McLeod having a pretty good um, season at um, strong safety. So yeah, their their defense is a handful, man. Like, don't this isn't going to be a walk in the park by any stretch of the imagination, Um, because I think the Colts, and this is kind of a strength and a weakness, but the Colts and Jeffrey Saturday are going to be out for blood when we play them. Mm. They're going to be wanting to win, Um, and so they'll throw the kitchen sink, I think, in the first quarter. So. We're going to have to absorb pressure from them because they're going to come out hungry and now they're
1: sure, trying to take advantage of the O line Absolutely.
2: that's right and that could be a that could be a blessing and a curse right because you know you throw everything at it still doesn't work then you just fall into a complete capitulation spiral so um yeah i, I think the defense um you you'll probably talk about some of the weaknesses andy but the defense for me is is the biggest strength of the Colts
1: by far for sure well i think th- I alluded to it a little bit just before, but for mine, it's... A big weakness of theirs is just their QB play. Um, He doesn't protect... Matt Ryan does not protect the ball. There's instances where he has a clean pocket and the throw that comes out of his hand is just pedestrian at best, geriatric almost. Um, Really just sort of starting to to lose it. He's getting sacked a bunch. Um, That and losing... A reliable gun, elite running back, um, is just uh, just seeing how this how this offense operates. Also, uh, I think it's their pass blocking that has been pretty substandard. Um, not seeing a whole lot of output uh, from any of their starting guys. Bernard Raymond's actually been probably one of the more impressive ones. Uh, mm, he's, the big Austrian. Quinton Nelson's kind of gone down a little bit too. Yeah. Um, I think this season, maybe, yeah.
2: Andy, Look, you're, you're being very nice to Matt Ryan here because, let's be honest, he's a bottom five quarterback. All the stats, yeah, all the four, metrics. Yeah. He's he's a bottom five quarterback. And you're right, the Colts line is, is nowhere near as good as it used to be. Um, you know, I think we should also mention that there's absolutely no wide receivers to think of. Behind Michael Pittman, who was targeted 14 times for 10 catches, who only had sixty yards. Um, you've got Pierce Campbell and Mo Ali Cox at tight end. So you're looking at their bottom of the scraping at the bottom of the barrel. So um, I think our defense is going to have an absolute field day. Um, yeah, they're offensively, like they're in a so. bit of
1: trouble. I'd like to think so. It's going to be probably a oh, Just watching the way that their special teams played last week, it's going to be one of our bigger special teams challenges. Block punt. Tough. Um, that's like they're scoring thirty plus points a game, man. That's the reality. That's one of the their biggest strengths. I think is that they're scoring thirty over thirty points against Dallas, against Minnesota, and we ain't doing shit. Yeah. We're not putting up those points. We're not converting. Um, just uh, it's just popped into my head. I just wanted to shout out Nasir Adderley. Great play on that interception. Play on. Uh, <laughs> I just I that's a big concern for me. Is that they are finding a way to score on defense? Pick six to Julian Blackman as well. Um, Herbert's just thrown two interceptions. You can see that he was dirty on himself, and I don't think that that's going to be a repeat thing, or I'm concerned about that. But it's a reality. If they're getting a lot of pressure on him, he drops his time to throw. Um, I just, I just don't see where, I just don't see
2: where they're going to score points on offense. I mean, you, without Jonathan Taylor, the biggest weapon, if not the biggest weapon. At running back in the league, without them, I don't know. I mean, Zach Moss is no slouch, as you said, but I just—I mean, do yeah, you
1: they, want to... him and him and Dion Jackson still put up a, a hundred yards on thirty-seven carries or something between the two of them. So, I mean, they're not going at much clip, but um, yeah, yeah. Look, uh... hey, I'll take
2: three point seven yards a carry against our defense. That's great. That's awesome. That's a win for us. That's a win. Absolutely. That's a win. So do I? Do I talk about a bit of? I've just got a couple of things in terms of tactics, and then we get onto a score, and then we will go. Done. done,
1: yeah, man, yeah. absolutely.
2: Um, I just said throw early and get points up as quickly as we as possible. So Lombardi, I'm looking for you to be creative, uh, put pressure on the wide receivers and Ryan, easily the two weakest um, positional groups for the Colts: wide receiver and quarterback. Put the pressure on them, um, and just let Herbo cook. Let Herbo cook. Yep.
1: Nice. I want to see more. Uh, pressure on Matt Ryan, blitzing from like the slot. I want to see more Bryce Callahan in there because he's effective. Um, I want to see less blitzing from the likes of Kenny Murray. He's performing well in coverage. I want him to be the drop back coverage linebacker. Uh, just something for for them going forward, especially because Jelani Woods had a good reception uh, last week as well. Mo Ali Cox, the tight end, too. Um, they are used in the passing game. Let's protect that middle of the field. He's relatively fast in open field and has a bit of an ounce for making contact at the right time and Mm. getting at the ball. Um, I think we need to maintain commitment to the run game and just look, just adjust appropriately past the scripted aspect of the game. Like I just we can't be seen just nonsense. That first and ten, end around to. DeAndre Carter, sure, big knock on Mike Williams for the poor run blocking. Scrap it, scrap the play, get rid of it. What are you you doing calling that on first and 10 in that situation? Like that's, that's the sort of shit you do in their 30 yard line when it's like second and two, or second and three, and you go yeah, fuck it, give it a go, not expecting this here. Maybe we'll get 25 yards out of it. Maybe we'll score a touchdown. Don't do it in our territory and get a 10 yard loss clowns there we go just a little bit more concise what do you got for the score man i'm gonna
2: say we have to absorb a lot of pressure early we go down two scores early in the first quarter but we rally oh. and we win 31 24.
1: where are they scoring their points in the first quarter
2: It'll be a turnover
1: on offense. It'll be a
2: turnover. I, I have a feeling that either there's going to be a turnover on special teams or there's going to be or Herbert might throw a awkward first interception because I have a feeling that Jeffrey Saturday and the defense are going to throw everything at the Chargers offensive line. We've got a rally and we'll be okay. 31-24. Okay.
1: okay. Well, let's hope you never tell my future. Because <laughs> yeah, that'd suck. I'm going Chargers win. Uh, what, what score did you give? 31 yeah, 24. I've gone 27 yeah. 17. Another massive defensive effort. Um, and both touchdowns on offense for them. Uh, no turnovers, none of that nonsense. And Herbert just gets back with a nice clean sheet. And we get to watch the charges
2: game together. Win. And we get to watch the game
1: yeah, together. we get to. Yes. First time in a long time. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Shirts off at halftime. You beat <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, a little treat there with Alan Kyle joining the show from, from Carlsbad, um, California. And we will see you next time on the Thunderdown Underchargers podcast.
2: See you, guys. Go Bolts.
1: Go Bolts.
0: Firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it! Six and a ten, five, high step, Touchdown!